Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstraveled.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. Hello, beautiful humans. Mandela here, coming to you from the deserts of northern Arizona. From where I am taking shelter, I can see millions of Joshua trees and the Grand Wash Cliffs, which mark the geological end of the Grand Canyon. A little over a week ago, I emerged from the Grand Canyon after successfully riverboarding the entire thing, a dream of mine for over a decade. When I came out of the Grand Canyon, I entered into an entirely different world from when I started my mission in early March of swimming the river with a large piece of foam and flippers. During these times of uncertainty and fear, I thought you could join me every Sunday evening for the next few months, and perhaps we can travel together, if only for an hour. So over the next few months, I would like to take you to my motherland, South Africa, to share some inspiring stories that I recorded this winter. I think of you all every day and send so much love during my daily meditation. Please know that you are loved. Without further ado, I invite you to perhaps prepare yourself a cup of South African rooibos tea and sit back. Join me on location on my family farm in South Africa's Western Cape. We're sitting here at the Rielendal. And that is a farm on the bottom of the Langabe mountain range in Swellendam, South Africa, in the wine country. Rielendal, this farm that we're recording at right now, has been in my family since the late 1600s. There is so much history here. It's phenomenal to sit here and record the first episode of The Trail Less Traveled that I've ever recorded here at the farm. And I'm sitting here with my mater, my friend, Elna Fori. Elna was born in Montequi, which is about 200 kilometers from Cape Town and about 25 kilometers from where we are now. Absolutely beautiful road through the mountains to get there on the other side of the Langeberg Mountains. Elna grew up on a dairy farm and has been a cheesemaker in South Africa for 18 years. And she is one of the most famous cheesemakers, most certainly the most famous one in this area. It's just so wonderful to have you here in the family kitchen on the Trail Less Traveled. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you, Mandy. It's nice to be here. It's always a pleasure. So my first question for you is not about cheesemaking. It's more about the evolution of you as a cheesemaker. So, Elna, where did you grow up? Tell us about... The farm, 40 kilometers out of Montequi. Take us there. Yeah, so it is in the Klenkerua, 220 kilometers outside Cape Town. You all know Cape Town. And then it is the R62. It's the wine route. And it's very familiar with all the people from all over the world to come and get wine and fruit there. So I grew up there on a sheep and dairy farm. 
It is also a family farm. It is in the family from the grand-grandfather. And yes, that is where I grew up. The Klenkerroer is normally fynbos, and there is green pasture, there is fruit farms, and then the Protea, the South African flower. Here in the Langeberg is a lot of the giant Proteas. The blue crane, Kranvoel, the South African bird. And then there's also a farm with elephants and lions. So yeah, it's normally like living in the big five world. Elna, you just said Feinbos and Protea. Can you first tell us about what Feinbos is and then maybe describe the Protea and what it means in South Africa? Yeah, the Feinbos is like in the Grootke Roer. There is less Renosterbos, it's Kralbos. For the sheep, it is like a herb. There's a big difference in a sheep that comes from the Karoa or the Klenkeroa than one that is grown up on a farm with pasture. The Feinbos give a nice taste to the meat. And the Protea is more in the mountainside, at the foot of the mountains. It is more at the place the, the pH of the ground is lower. So that is why you only get Proteas at the foot of the mountains. Every country has its own flower, but I think the giant Protea for me is the most beautiful flower. It has also stages. In winter time, you see the proteas is just like a dark green. And then suddenly the dark green becomes red wine color. And then it becomes pink. So the protea is, if you are a big man, you open your hands, it's more like twice the size of a big man's hands. And in the inside, it's like flivial. It's soft. It is like tissue inside so yeah and then when that opens it is making seed we need fires in the field and whenever it is burned then the seeds of explode and the wind take it and then that is how the protea is is living his life you're on the trail as traveled we're speaking with elna fori we're recording the show on my family's farm here in swellendam south africa and Elna's family farm is right outside of Montaki. She grew up with Jersey cows and Holstein cows as well as sheep. Elna, you've always wanted to be a farmer. Can you tell us about what it was like for your parents and you growing up to be farmers? What did it mean at that time in South Africa? Growing up on a farm is life. I think when you grow up in town, you think it is life, but you must Google all this stuff. You don't know where babies come from. When you are on a farm, you don't even ask. You know it because you see it. So, yeah, and it is just you play, you climb tree, you're walking through the mud. And, yeah, I think it is the best way growing up. And you can always later in life start Googling and do stuff and learn stuff. But if your roots is formed on a farm, I think you are a more natural person. Elna, tell us about being a dairy farmer. All I know is that when my uncle Johannes was a farmer on this farm here, and also now my other uncle Yaku, he works with you in cheese right now. He's on the farm, but on the other side of the hill, you can see it from the front of the farmhouse that we're in right now. Uh, when they're 
for farming and raising dairy cows, they have to wake up really early in the morning to milk the cows. So can you tell us about the process of these cows? Let's talk specifically about jerseys, if you don't mind, and how many times a day they need to get milked and what it's like to be a Jersey cow here in the wine country in the Western Cape, South Africa. A dairy cow, specifically a jersey, it is like being a princess or a queen in the palace because you are the main income. We bring in the money. So the farmers, they are looking good after the cows. As I said previous, for being on a farm, it is hot hours working outside in the sun. But also you see the sun rise, you see the sun set. And I think that is so beautiful to can do and can experience. But yeah, so normally the dairy farmers have to milk early in the morning. You can milk three times a day if you want, but here in South Africa it is two in the morning and in the afternoon. So if you milk at afternoon, then by the time tomorrow morning at five, uh, cow can give you until 22 liters per milk. So you can think 22 liters of milk inside that air, I don't know what you call it, the other yeah. So in the morning it is very hot and all that milk must get out there. So that's why you can't sleep late. Otherwise the cow will get other infections and it's not good to leave it too long there. So that's why we start really early in the mornings. Then after milk, the cows go on the pasture, so they have a relaxed day. A cow is very sensitive to sounds and things that is unknown to them. So sometimes the farmers play music in the dairy, on the shed. So it must be very relaxing for them. So a day for a cow or the princess of the farm is a very relaxing day because she has to produce milk. Then the farmer keeps himself busy making feed for the cows and also if there is calves he must prepare and raise the calves. So the farmer is busy the whole day. It's just the princess that is relaxing and produce milk. That's the voice of Elna Fori. She is a cheesemaker here in South Africa. We are recording the trail that's traveled today on my family's farm. It's called Rielendal, and it's just outside of Swellendam, South Africa. Elna, let's talk about the milking process, how it was when you were a child with your parents, milking maybe by hand, versus now and the machines that you might see. How has it changed? Yeah, from 30 years ago, I think... The farms were smaller, the herd was smaller, and they start milking by hand. So you have your bucket. Every morning before school, uh, the children must help. So they always say they wash their faces with milk. And then they took the stations somewhere along the road. So the farmer take the buckets to the station. Then there's once a day, a truck comes, he get all the buckets and then it goes to the factories. But now, lately, it is like commercial, it is like automated, it is a big thing. Many things changed. So, and that's why the farmers also get bigger, from 15 cows until nowadays it's 1,500 is normal. 
figures. Also, not milking by hand, but they call it dry tafels. It's like a table the cows climb on, and the table rotates the whole time. So every time a cow gets on, at the other side the cow gets off. In that two, three, five minutes, the table is rotating clockwise. The cow is finished milking. It's also like robots. There's only one guy that put on the milk machine and then it falls off itself. It's like working on sensors. If the volume of the milk is stopping, then the sensors release and the cow is finished milking. At that point, once the cow gets milked, where does the milk end up going to then? What kind of process? I know that on the farm we are right now, actually, might even be that same refrigerator just there behind me. Growing up, my dad said that that was the milk fridge. That's why in this kitchen there's two refrigerators because one would always have huge containers of fresh milk in it. And that's all my dad and his brothers and sisters drank on the farm growing up. So when we go to the grocery store, what's changed from the milk that came out of the cow to when you might drink it? The trucks, there's pre-cooled tanks on the farm. So then the trucks come from the factories, they collect the milk. And in the old days, it was like fresh milk. You drink it, there is a white, your snore is white. <laughs> and that was like a butterfat content was 6% in full fat milk. It differed from 5% to 6%. And now, when the milk gets to the factory, there's many processes it goes through. They standardize the milk. And a full fat in the market nowadays is 3.3%. So they reduce the fat from 5% to 3.3%. And there's a lot of things happening to the milk to keep it longer. Yeah, and also in that process, many of the good bacteria disappear in the line because they get killed from the heat and all the treatment. But it's also good because pasteurized milk is much healthier than unpasteurized, unless I always say use it from the mother. That's the best way to drink it. Fresh from the cow. Yes. How does it taste different? Can you describe fresh Jersey cow milk versus maybe long life milk? It's a much more fuller mouth taste because you get your taste from the fat. So the lower the fat is, the more you lost in taste. And it's also sweeter. So the more full fat it is, the sweeter the milk's taste. So Elna, I've noticed that milk... Here in South Africa, as well as Australia and New Zealand, tends to have sort of a more authentic taste than the milk we get in the U.S. But do you know what that extra process would be? Or maybe they just pasteurize it like harder or longer or something like that? Or would we actually do a different thing to it completely? Yeah, um, there is a lot of changes in the milk, but I think start from the beginning. It all depends on what food the cow eat. If you have a cup of milk in your fridge and you leave an onion or garlic inside your fridge, then tomorrow your milk will taste like garlic or onion. So it's the same with the cow. If a cow eats green pasture and maybe eat or oats 
or any dry matter, they will always be uh, taste different in your milk. What I can think of is that, for instance, the grass in South Africa and the grass in New Zealand, they don't have the same root. So it can have a taste difference from every country, but in the factory itself, it is the same process. The bigger the factories, the more the technology will have an influence, and the smaller the factory, it will also have an influence. So there's two ways and I think more it is from the ground and not always the process it goes through. That's the voice of Elna Fori. She is a cheesemaker here in South Africa. We are recording the trail less travel today on my family farm called Rilendal, which is right outside of Swellendam, South Africa. The voice you heard earlier was the voice of Wesley Harmon asking Elna a question about the difference in taste between American versus South African cow milk. And Wesley made a really good point after Elna spoke that, you know, some of the cows in the United States might only be eating grain versus Jersey cows here on this farm eating uh, grass and hay. And Well, Elna, it's now time for a song. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about cheese making. But let's now play a song that reminds you of your early childhood. A song? Your first thing in my mind is Heidi. When I was little, there was a... TV show Heidi, the girl in Switzerland or Sweden or somewhere in Switzerland, yeah. She grown up with her grandfather with the goats. I think that specific story and song, I related me to that song. We are recording the trail that's traveled today on my family's farm. It's called Rielendal, and it's just outside of Swellendam, South Africa. We are in the wine country, sitting in the kitchen on the farm with my friend. And in South Africa, I call her my mater, my mate, Elna. Elna grew up on a dairy farm about 40 kilometers outside of Montequi, which is north of where we are right now. So the same mountain that I'm looking at when I look out the window, the Langebeur mountain range, if I head northwest along those mountains. On the other side of the mountains is Montequi. Elna always wanted to be a farmer. She grew up with Jerseys, Holsteins, and sheep. She ended up becoming a goat farmer, then studying cheesemaking in France, in Burgundy, and then for the past 18 years, she's been the best cheesemaker in South Africa. And I mean, yeah, I'm biased because she's my friend, but she is in high demand here in this part of South Africa. And it's just an honor now because Elna is going to tell us about how to make cheese. <laughs> yeah. And many people's phone, when I see the phone, it's like Elna Kaas. So yes, I related myself with Kaas, <laughs> which means cheese. Yeah, I take it as a compliment. So, yes, you get a lot of cheese. I like hard cheese the most. And I'm also the best in making hard cheese. Gouda, cheddar, alumi, havarti, also mozzarella. And it is an honor for me to have won the prize last year in South Africa for the best uh, matured gouda. So, yeah, if I can explain the whole process of cheese making... You can say there is, for instance, 15 steps in the whole process. And each and every cheese, hard cheese, soft cheese, the first 
six steps is basically always the same. You receive your milk. It depends on what type of cheese you want to make. I'm going to explain to you a cheddar. Cheddar, you receive your milk. You need a specific milk, the butterfat, the protein. It's also the component in the milk that makes your cheese good or bad. And also the hygiene side, if you have a good quality milk, then your cheese will be good. So first, here in South Africa, you receive your milk from the dairy farms. You pasteurize your milk. You can standardize it, depends on what your recipe needs. And then inside the factory, there is some ingredients you need to add. So South Africans don't really like white cheese. I don't know why, because there is no difference except color in white and yellow cheddar. But we like the yellow stuff. So you prepare your milk. You add some calcium. You add your starter. Then you add rennet, the coagulant. And each specific ingredient has its own function inside the recipe. When you add your coagulant, your rennet, your whole vat of milk becomes solid. It looks like jelly. I always said if you have a newborn baby, it can sit on that pot of jelly. And then you start cutting that jelly into pieces. Also the pieces and the cutting sizes of each specific type will differ. The softer your cheese, the bigger your blocks. The harder your cheese, the smaller your blocks. Then you call it curd. After it was set and you cut that thick jelly, then it is becomes curd. You heat the curd and while heating you always stir. There's a whole process when you drain your whey and also the whey. In South Africa we give it to the pig farms. It is the best part of milk because all your nutritions like vitamins and proteins they get lost in the whey. And normally your cheese is more like 80% of fat. It also depends now on which cheese, but in randomly it is like 80% of fat and only 10% is vitamins and minerals and the other is water. Yeah, and here you got the small cheeseries. They put that curd into wood molds. But in the big factories, they have cheese cheddar vats where you add salt to the curd and then you add towers. It's working like a sucking pipe and it sucks the press full of that curd and then inside that press, it press out all the last whey. We also like Frommel Papi in South Africa. So it is like porridge with a drier texture. So it is a lot of pieces and then that press all that curd pieces into a block and we put it in a vacuum bag and then we send it to the cold stores for approximately six weeks to get matured and after eight weeks we can sell it and we can pack it and it goes to the supermarket. Beautiful. That was the voice of Elna Fori. She is an award-winning cheesemaker. Last year, she won Best Matured 
how the cheese in South Africa. Elna, one more question before we talk more about that and how the cheese. Can you tell us about, I don't know, you're not going to give away your secrets, but how do you make the best matured how the cheese in South Africa? Oh, it's not that big thing. You had to do your homework. And that specific day, everything must work out correctly. If you have the correct milk, your temperature is correct. Everything runs smooth. And also your brining, you add salt and your pH. So there is a lot of things to keep in mind to have a first price cheese. But if all that things work together and teamwork, because it's a cheesemaker, it's the operators, it's the people that helps you. If it is a good team, then you can have a good cheese. Do you know, can you tell us some of the history of Gouda cheese, of Hauda cheese? What's, where did it come from originally? I think it is like in the world of Heidi, Switzerland and Holland. It's Holland's uh, Gouda. I think it is coming from the European countries, South Africa. We also, I think, just get the recipe and start changing it. If you just tuned in, we are recording the trail I've traveled in South Africa on my family farm, and I'm sitting here with my friend Elna Fori. She's an award-winning cheesemaker here. And just the other day in this kitchen, we were talking about how we could make mozzarella cheese because it's the easiest cheese. So it sounds like potentially if someone listening is very inspired to make fresh cheese, that they are capable of doing it on their own. Can you take us through how to make mozzarella? Mozzarella is a very nice cheese to have in your kitchen. It's also, out of my opinion, the healthiest cheese that you can use. It is a white cheese. There is only three components used to make mozzarella. You have to have milk, citric acid and rennet, which is your coagulant. And then, of course, a pinch of salt if you want. You can do it within 30 minutes. You can make yourself fresh mozzarella in your kitchen. If you have a pot, you can pasteurize your milk, your fresh full milk. You can pasteurize in your kitchen on a pot. You add a little bit of citric acid. Then you also rennet, you coagulate your milk. You cut it also in pieces with a bread knife or any knife you get in your kitchen. Then you drain all the way. And we all know we have spectacles. So what spectacles? What, what is it? Spatulas. 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 Yeah. Yes, that's the word. Spatulas. Yeah, when you have a knife and a spatula and hand gloves, then you can do it in your kitchen. And after 30 minutes, you have the fresh mozzarella. You add your biki van die zout. You add your salt, then you put it in the fridge. You can eat it immediately or eat it within 20 days. Suppose I am an avid listener of the Trail Less Traveled, and I live in America. Okay, so let's say I get some whole milk that's already pasteurized from the grocery store, and I track down some rennet and the other citric acid and salt, and maybe I add some half and half to my whole milk to make it even more whole than it used to be. And then I don't need to heat it up then to pasteurize it, but I do for the other part. Okay, so what if we start there? So if you are a normal person going to the supermarket, you get yourself four liters of pasteurized full cream milk. 
It is not full cream because they took off a lot of cream. So then you go there, you buy yourself four liters of full fat cream milk. And also you can buy yourself a 250 mils of full cream. You can add it together, you can mix it, and then you will have a much more tasteful mozzarella than you used only the four liters of full fat milk. So then there's two steps you can skip. You just heat it to 32 Celsius degrees and then you can start your whole process. Because if you have raw milk, you had to heat it up to 72% to kill all the bad bacteria. So then that step you can skip. That is the voice of Elna Fori. She is an award-winning cheesemaker here in South Africa, where we are today recording the trail less traveled. Elna, will you do me a favor and just look out the window and describe what you see? Can you tell us about where you are right now and what you see? Okay, so here where I sit, it must be the nearest place to heaven. It is 10 kilometers outside Zwellendam. I'm looking at the Langeberg Mountains, the mountain peaks where it's covered with mist. And at the bottom of the mountain, you can see the proteas and the pink color of the Heide. Heide is a pink flower that changes the color here at the foot of the mountains. And when I come near, I can see the green pastures with Jersey cows on it. And it looks really, really like my home. Elna, it's now time for a song. Can you share a song with us that reminds you of cheese making? A song that reminds me of my childhood when I was little and started thinking about farming and making cheese. It was a commercial that was in, on our TV at that time. I always call it the chocolate song. It was, I think, a Cadbury song, but of advertisement. But the guy comes from the dairy with the bucket of milk on his bicycle. He went to his home, and the mother was there waiting. She started preparing the milk, and then she makes chocolate out of that milk mm. that they brings to the kitchen. We are recording The Trail Less Traveled this evening on my family farm in South Africa. It's called Rielendal. It's about 10 kilometers outside of Swellendam on the base of the Langebeth Mountains. I'm sitting here across from my friend Elna Fori. Elna also grew up on a farm very similar to this one on the other side of the mountains, just outside of Montequi. Now, Elna always wanted to be a farmer. She grew up with Jerseys, Holsteins, and sheep. She ended up studying cheese making in France, and she's been making cheese for 18 years. Last year, she won the best matured Gouda or Gouda in South Africa. Elna, for someone listening who's keen to do some cheese tasting, do you have any advice for how to properly taste different cheeses and to cleanse the palate in between each tasting? Yeah, I start with uh, fresh cheese. For instance, fresh mozzarella. The name says it all. So if you have a fresh mozzarella in your hand, it has to be juicy. If you cut it, it has to be fresh. It has a soft texture. And if you taste it, it has to taste that fresh milk taste. That's why it's called fresh mozzarella. 
and then when you get uh, gouda, a young gouda, is we called it uh, sweet milk cheese. The pH is much higher than cheddar, that's why the sweet taste comes from. So normally you need uh, nutty aftertaste, that is a good gouda. And if you say nuts, you know there's a lot of nuts, but just think about the nut taste. And then when that cheese getting matured, that nut taste grows stronger inside, but somewhere will be salt. You will feel peace in your mouth, like a salt crystal. And that is normally the calcium crystals. So in the process of maturation, the calcium get crystallized and also the texture is much drier than it was when it was a young gouda. A young gouda, you can take a piece and you can take the two ends together and touch each other and it will make like a hoople. But when it is a mature cheese, it's more dry. So it will break if you want to bend it. So if you take cheddar, cheddar is a much lower pH cheese. It is more drier and it also has a more bite on your tongue. The older it becomes, the stronger that bite becomes. That's the voice of Elna Fori describing various cheese. We're here in South Africa and Elna, some people might not know that when you find cheese, like a cheddar cheese, and there's a little bit of mold on the side, that you can just cut the mold off and keep eating the cheese. Most people know that, but for those listening who don't understand why that's okay, can you explain? You have two types of mold, but if you have a piece of cheese in the fridge that is laying next to a tomato, of course it will get mold. So normally you cut it off, you can wipe the cheese with a wet salt cloth and salt will reduce the growth of the mold. And then you also get the other mold like cheese mold, white mold, blue mold. That is mold that we put into the cheese. But no, the mold is not bad to you. I always like cheese that has a little bit of mold on because what it means is that that cheese was exposed to oxygen. Oxygen helped the cheese to mature much faster. So a piece of cheese with a little bit of mold on will mature much faster than a vacuum-packed one that is in the fridge the whole time. So no, that mold is not dangerous to you. Rather take it off, but never throw away the cheese. The older, the better. Elna, can we talk about what wines you might pair with various cheeses? Someone you know listening who's interested in doing a little cheese tasting and also maybe combining that with wine? You know, we are in the wine country right now, so any wines come to mind that go well with different types of cheese? I think uh, a wine lover will say all the wines goes with all the type of cheese. <laughs> but normally, if you have a drier red wine or older red wine, it also goes along with age. So the older the cheese, the older and the drier the wine. The drier wine will complement the cheese much more or versa versa. The older cheese will complement the red wine. But if you like like soft cheese, cream cheese and crackers, I don't think there is a certain type of wine that goes along with that. It's just 
to socialize, anyone will be perfect. That's the voice of Elna Fori, and she is an award-winning cheesemaker here in South Africa. Last year, she won for the best matured hauda, or gouda cheese. Elna is also a friend of mine, and she is an extreme athlete. She is by far the most fit person I've ever met in my life, and you are very passionate about your work with cheese, but you're also really passionate about getting outside and having fun, and, and let's do it again, let's do it tomorrow, you know, I just love that about you. This mountain range behind you, out the window, is massive, and you've run over it with my cousin Fleur. Many times you do adventure races with mountain bikes and running, so can we talk about that side of your life a little bit? Yeah, the day when I decided to become a cheesemaker, my father told me, I said, Elna, I'm not going to explain anything. You grow up on a dairy farm. You know that dairy is 24 hours, seven days a week. So, yeah. So then I decided to become a cheesemaker. And I enjoy being outside, doing outdoor stuff. I was doing tug-of-war for South Africa for six years. I choose the most extremely sport that needs the more extreme exercise and training. But if you love what you are doing, you make time to do both, work hard and play hard. If you want to do something, you can do it. That's beautiful, Elna, because I just interviewed Fleur, who is my cousin, and you're a really good friend, and she said the same thing. You know, if you really want to do something you're passionate, do it. Stop thinking about it, just go out and do it. Let's talk about that feeling that you have when you've done a nice, big, long ride, and you've come to a really beautiful view. Yo, that is um, only the people that did it in their lives will understand the feeling. It's like running a marathon and you see the end, that moment when you pass that line. It is just undescribable because you put in so much effort and time, sometimes a lot of money to become there and then that moment is just overwhelming. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the adventure races that you take part in and some of the ones around South Africa? Because it's a pretty big part of this country, is different adventure races. And on that note, what is an adventure race? Uh, adventure race, the name can say it, it's adventure outside. There's normally three legs. We are doing the cycling, the hiking and the running. There's also paddling and then the main thing is tracking you must navigate so you get a card with three or five checkpoints on one leg you had to run the one leg you had to cycle one you paddle then you can do mountain climbing there's a lot of teams entering but the team that have the best navigator and is fit they will survive and make it first over the line. It's also, you must have the endurance that if you get lost and your navigation was not good enough, you had to have the strength to recover from that and keep going. Sometimes it is a 80 kilometer adventure race. Sometimes it can be a 200. There's also 800 kilometers adventure race. And that means the team that Rest the most is not always the team that's going to pass the finish line first. 
we are sitting here on my family farm in South Africa with Elna Fori. She is a very good friend of mine, and I'm just so stoked because I haven't seen her in years, and she made the effort to come to the farm twice to see me and said yes to being interviewed and to talking about cheese. Elna, thank you so, so much for joining me on the trail less traveled. That's a big pleasure for me. Elna, can we end your show with three bits of advice? There's a lot for me to say. My motto is never give up. If you start something, just do it. Never overthink it. Just jump in and swim. Elna, what song would you like to end your show with? Wait, before we end the show, can you give us a little bit of an Afrikaans lesson? Because this next song is going to be an Afrikaans. So, for example, Hallo, hoe gaan het met jou? Dit is my baie lekker om hier met julle te kan gesels. Hier op die plaas doen ons dinge baie anders, maar ons is lekker mense. My song, it is Afrikaans song. It is like an... Uh, Juanita Duplessis is a singer here in South Africa. And she has a song that says, As vandag your last day is, if today is your last day, that is my motto. Live fully, because today can be your last day. Namaste Missoula, Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, that airs every Sunday evening at 6. You can stream the show online at trail1033.com. And if you would like to revisit a show or see the full archive of over 390 episodes as of today, please visit the official website, traillesstraveled.net. I would like to thank my guest for this week, Elna Fori. Elna is an award-winning cheesemaker from South Africa. She grew up on a farm in Montiki, which is in the other side of the Langabeth mountain range from where we recorded this interview on my family farm on the Western Cape, just outside of Swellendam. Elna joined me on the family farm to share her story of studying cheesemaking in France and the journey of making cheese in South Africa for over 18 years, including how she won first prize for aged Gouda in the country of South Africa just last year. Elna is not only an award-winning cheesemaker, she's also a good friend, and she is the most adventurous and physically fit person I have ever met in real life. Thanks, Elna. The Trail Less Traveled is dedicated to collecting stories and sounds from the most remote locations around the world. And my adventure tip this week is store your cheese in a refrigerator drawer. Avoid storing in the door where it is vulnerable to temperature swings. Wrap hard cheeses in waxed paper and then store them in a sealable bag to preserve quality. I would like to end the show this evening with a reading from Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a Vietnamese Buddhist monk and peace activist. We humans have lost the capacity of resting. We worry too much. We don't allow our bodies to heal. We don't allow our minds to heal. Even when we're given a few weeks of vacation, we don't know how to rest. 
Our worries, stress, and fear make the situation worse. Meditation can help release the tension, help us embrace our worries, our fear, our anger. And that is very healing. It's very important to learn again the art of resting and relaxing. When we're at peace with ourselves, the elements of our body and mind will work together harmoniously. And that is the foundation of health. Different elements of the body will come together and work in harmony. The chemicals in our body will be released in the exact amount we need. We won't overproduce chemicals like adrenaline. The Buddha speaks about the second arrow. When an arrow strikes you, you feel pain. If a second arrow comes and strikes you in the same spot, the pain will be ten times worse. The Buddha advised that when you have some pain in your body or your mind, breathe in and out and recognize the significance of that pain, but don't exaggerate its importance. If you stop to worry, to be fearful, to protest, to be angry about the pain, then you magnify the pain ten times more. Your worry is the second arrow. You should protect yourself and not allow the second arrow to come because the second arrow comes from you. That's all for this week, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week's adventure, get outside and shred the gnar, as long as it's mindful. And if you're not in a position to get outside and shred the gnar, then I invite you to sit and listen to your breath. And you will get all the missed calls and unread messages the universe has been trying to send. Hey everybody, Mandela here. About six months ago, I did my first truly transformative 30-day cleanse. I walked away with habits that continue today. The transformation used specific superfoods at different stages throughout to help remove toxins, repair my gut biome, and flood my body with nutrients. Within a week, I noticed elevated energy levels, incredible sleep, decreased inflammation, lack of knee pain, and zero mind fog. I still use these superfoods to supplement my vegan diet, as it's not easy to constantly stop and make huge salads while traveling and guiding expeditions. This is a great addition to my lifestyle as a vegan, yogi, workout, podcasting nerd. So I was thinking, since we suddenly have this time at home, why not do a transformation and boost our immune systems? Vegan or not, you choose a program that works for you, be it weight loss, cleansing, or enhanced athletic performance. They avoid plastic and have done research around the world making it easy to use organic, sustainably sourced superfoods. I truly believe in these products and I would like to help everyone reach their full potential. I encourage you to research Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. To be honest, all of their superfood products are beautiful and delicious. Whenever you're ready, just use me as a referral for a big discount. And yes, this can also support Adventure Radio. That referral code is Mandela, M-A-N-D-E-L-A. In closing, if you're keen, I would be delighted to help you one-on-one during your superfood journey. You can invest in your health while being mindful of consumerism. This transformation totally changed my life. So check it out today, ishoppurium.com.